I would say too, a lot of our growth came from being on those charts early. Once you can get on them, it just sort of snowballs. It's still totally possible, to, but it really is nailing that niche and getting in there, talking about the thing to the people who most need to hear what it is that you're going to say. It can seem like celebrity entrepreneurs won the jackpot, but there's more to this story. Behind the blockbuster coaching programs, offers, and live events are stories of careful development, fixed mistakes, and strategy. On this season of the Coach Pony Podcast, I'm sitting down with successful business owners to ask them, how do you build that? I'll talk to a wide range of coaches and leaders, digging into how it all started, what they learned, and what you should know if you want to play a similar game. And with that, let's get down to business. Today, our guest is Emily Thompson, the founder of the Being Boss podcast. For coaches who love the idea of building a network and marketing their business through podcasts, Emily has all the info you need. With over 10 million downloads, an amazing book, and tons of business opportunities that came from our podcast, we are so excited to have her as a guest. Emily Thompson, you're the next guest on the Coach Pony podcast. Come on down. So Emily, welcome to the podcast, and I just want to go ahead and dive in, and I would love for you to tell me about the day that you got the idea for the Being Bossed podcast. What did you do to get started? Oh, good question. And hello, and thank you for having me. So glad to be here. Um, so what was the first day like? I don't remember anything about it except that I had this sort of flash of an idea to start a podcast with a friend of mine. And it sort of came to me as a fully formed idea. I knew I wanted to start a podcast, which I was only listening to um, Invisibilia. I wasn't even listening to Serial. That was when Serial and Invisibilia was a thing. Um, I wasn't listening to Serial. I was listening to Invisibilia. And I wanted to start a podcast with um, my friend Kathleen, who we call each other like our business besties. We were going to share the conversations that we already were having on Skype monthly at the time. And we found them so valuable that I wanted to share them with everyone. And so it all just like dropped into my head. And I remember almost immediately sitting down at my computer and typing up an email. And the subject of that email was something like, I have an idea that's going to change the world or something very dramatic like that. And it was just, it was a proposal. It was basically that I have an idea for a podcast. I want to do it with you. We already love these conversations. Let's share them with everyone. What do you think? And I send it and I wait. Um, and that was the day. It was just this fully formed idea that dropped into my head. I love that. And so the first thing you did you did is you put together a proposal and sent it off. So what was your number one goal back in 2014, 2015 when you first started with the podcast? When you can think back, what were you like, this this is what I'm trying to do here? The goal was just to do something fun with my friend. Like I think I think we both very much so felt that way. We had no idea that it would ever turn into a business. Um, we just had fun talking business with each other. 
and had been playing around with the idea of like doing workshops together. Maybe we should do a retreat. Maybe we should do a course together. Like what is what does it look like for us to do something together? And so the real core purpose of it was just making something new with my friend. And I remember the day that the first episode dropped, um, we were texting each other and we were like, oh, look, we made a thing. Like we we made this new thing together. And, and that was really at the core of it. We had these sort of auxiliary purposes around using it to market our individual businesses and, you know, growing our audience and like the normal stuff. But the core of it was we just wanted to make something fun together. You know, that was back in the day, which feels like a long time ago now, and you had zero downloads and now you've got over 10 million. So Mm -hmm. tell me, you know, a few, (laughs) a few people listened. So what were some of your biggest milestones along the way? So I'd love for, for coaches who are like, oh, I would love to have 10 million downloads on my podcast. What are some milestones they should be looking at? It's funny, not many of them were download related. Um, they were things like, you know, getting getting a cool guest on our show. I remember just sort of maybe tweeting about or emailing like Shalene Johnson um, that we had mentioned one of her books in one of our very early episodes. And she either tweeted or emailed back and was like, I'd love to come on the show. And we were like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yes. And so to have someone like that come to us and be like, I'd love to be on your show, that was a milestone. So she was within the first, you know, couple handfuls of episodes. We had a sponsor come to us. Whenever we launched the podcast, we um, sort of said, you know, in-house that we would not go after sponsors until we had um, at least a dozen or two episodes under our belt. And before we were done with those first dozen episodes, our first sponsor and the brand we still work with, FreshBooks, was in our inbox saying, hey, we love your show. Can we give you money? And we were like, <laughs> absolutely. Our first event, uh, which we launched in October of 2015, so or we didn't, we did it in October of 2015. So we probably launched it in, you know, May or June of 2015. Five or six months after we started, we launched an event, held our first event 10 months into it. And 80 people showed up. That was a huge, like we thought five, (laughs) six people were going to show up, you know, and 80 people show up to this event. And then it was bigger things. It was, you know, making our first six figures, um, getting our first million downloads. We got a book deal. Uh, We did those conversations, I think, in 2016. Got a book deal in 2016, wrote the book in 2017. It launched in 2018. That was a big milestone for the business. But really personally, that was on mine and Kathleen's bucket list and had been for years, was writing a book. And we just got the opportunity to write one together. So it was those sorts of things. It was the realization of dreams. And because this launched as a passion project, it was so much easier for us to find, I think, fulfillment in those sort of non-monetary or non-sort of metric-based rewards of the work that we were doing because we didn't go into it looking for those sorts of benefits from the project. So it was it was realizing sort of life dreams along the way, which was a ton of fun that that were the milestones for us. And now obviously we're very like data driven and, you know, we have all kinds of metric based milestones and things. But in the early days, it was the kinds of things that you can't even Im- imagine putting on your dream board, right? Having we we interviewed Brene Brown, I think, in the first year of the podcast, like those sorts of things. I wouldn't have imagined that, but they came to us. And so those were the milestones that we were hitting. We didn't map them out. They just happened. 
which is, I know is literally the worst to tell people if you're trying to do it yourself. But like, I think there is something to be said about just showing up and sort of seeing what happens. There is, I think all success starts with creation and creating something and then putting it out into the world. And so for coaches, especially who are listening to this, who are scared to be visible, who are scared to put themselves out there, like, um, you know, nothing good comes of hiding. (laughs) So the opportunities come when you're out there, when you're doing it. So I want to get a little bit more granular with this and Mm -hmm. talk about some of the milestones that, that new coaches might be thinking about. They've got a new podcast. You know, what, talk me through sort of the beginning, the first few years, you know, what did you do to grow the podcast? So let's start there. I would say one of the first things we did, not necessarily to grow the podcast, but to make sure we had a really great podcast, which is the foundation of growth, right? Was we promised ourselves that we would not have guests on our show for the first 10 to 15 episodes or something like that. And that's sort of the opposite of what most like podcast growth tactics are, right? They're like, get the biggest guests you can launch with them out the gate. And you're going to have so many, so many listeners and downloads and all of those things. And I think there is, there is some potential in that. But our idea was we wanted to get in there, develop our voice, figure this out, um, really get in there with our sort of perception and perspective and point of view on the topics that we were talking about before we brought in someone else's perspectives and points of view into our space. And I think that's obviously a little easier done when you have a co-host. But um, but I think you can also do that incredibly well as a single hosted show. And so that was one of the things that we did that I really credit to our ability to um, to launch so strongly out the gate um, and to have developed a brand that has grown so far beyond just the podcast is that more so than focusing on getting lots of downloads in the beginning, we were more focused on making sure that our voice and our message was fully developed because we were sharing it ourselves before we brought other people into our space. And that's something that we think about a lot. Um, We also were very purposeful about sharing our podcast with the audiences we already had. Um, My co-host had um, a branding agency where she worked with creative business owners. I had a web design agency where I worked with creative business owners. We already had blogs and newsletters and followers and audiences of our own. And we were starting a podcast talking about creative entrepreneurship. And so because everything was so aligned... We shared it with everyone. We started putting it in our weekly newsletters. We started um, posting about it on our Instagram accounts and those sorts of things. And so there was no fear around like, ooh, I'm scared to you know share this new thing that I'm creating with people. It became part of our sort of ongoing marketing plans to share this thing. And by tapping into the audiences we already had, we were able to feed into the podcast initially in a way that uh, that escalated our growth, which was really helpful. But I will say too, we also didn't have huge audiences. So we'd been blogging for a few years. Um, We probably combined had a couple of thousand people on our newsletter list, less than 10,000 for sure. So it wasn't like we had these massive followings, but we we were not scared to share it anywhere and everywhere we could. Um, This thing that we had created together to the people that we knew that it would benefit. So those two things were the things that I think gave us some initial growth. And really just created the foundation on top of which everything that happened after that was able to firmly grow from. How much did you grow in that first year? How many downloads? Do you have any idea ballpark? 
If I had to do a guesstimation, I would say we easily got our first million in that first year. <gasps> I think. Yeah, maybe so. I could be overestimating that a little bit, but we grew pretty quickly upon launch. I will say, too, whenever we launched, we were some of the only women who were our age and in the niche that we were in in business podcasts. And at that time, I think Apple was the only place where you could listen to podcasts still, like were those podcast dinosaurs. So we had some advantages, but we also just people connected with us in a way that um, that really got them to stick with us. And even to this day, we have people who have followed us who still listen um, years later. And so I would say easily, I think uh, our first million was happened in that first year. Were you releasing weekly at that time? What was your cadence? Yes, weekly. I do think maybe about halfway into 2015, we started doing biweekly episodes. So we were doing a full length episode on Tuesdays. And then we were doing what we called a mini-sode on Fridays. And we started doing it mostly because we had so much to talk about. <laughs> I think it was we didn't have enough weeks in the year almost. Um, but also because we started taking on interviews, Kathleen and I didn't have the chance really anymore to have those sort of solo conversations or to address like listener questions and those sorts of things. So we did do double episodes from probably about halfway into 2015 until probably halfway into 2018, which is really crazy to think about. Um, but we did double episodes for quite a long time. So who was producing these podcasts for you? Were you guys doing it all yourselves or did you have help? So the first dozen or so podcasts, it was just Kathleen and I. That was part of those initial uh, negotiations as to whether or not we were going to do this together. I remember her being like, I'm not going to figure out tech. Like, I've got content, I've got branding, but don't ask me to figure it. And I was like, that's fine. That's my wheelhouse. I will figure that out. So it was just the two of us for the first at least dozen episodes. And then I pulled in a member of my team at my web design agency to start editing the podcast for us. We were still doing show notes and creating agendas and scheduling our guests and all of those things. But he came in as our editor and took that off of our plate. And I haven't edited a podcast since, thank goodness. Um, since then, we've definitely grown a team. I have the joy of just showing up to record these days, um, which is really nice. So we've definitely grown in production. But in those early, especially the early um, sort of dozen episodes, everything was was the two of us. So we started literally no budget. <laughs> I designed the website. She designed the logo. Um, we used our Apple sort of headphones with a microphone for those co first couple dozen episodes. And it was it was just the two of us until I brought in an editor. And then it was just the three of us for probably another six months or so before we brought in a virtual assistant to help us sort of organize things. So we started very, very low production and still were able to create a high quality podcast that people cared to listen to. <laughs> So what for you guys took the most effort? And also as a follow on, where did you spend the most money in sort of the first year? That is such a good question. Most effort, most effort and money, I think really came to nurturing our community. Branding and content and, you know, website and tech and those sorts of things came very naturally to Kathleen and I, especially like as a team. Between the two of us, we could sort of do everything without thinking very much about it. In the first year, 
we hosted our first vacation. So that was something that cost a couple $10,000. And we did that because we knew that the power that was behind us was this community that we were building. And it wasn't a community that we knew was only going to benefit from them having contact with us. We needed them to have contact with each other. And so it wasn't about developing our audience. It was about uniting a community. And so we started putting money into events um, and doing things with our people to bring them together. And I have conversations these days. People are always asking me, like, what makes Being Boss different from all the other podcasts and communities and all these things? And I will say, like, the core of what we do is community in a way that a lot of podcasts, I think, aspire to or pretend they can or try to um, or don't care about, <laughs> right? Because I think that's totally valid as well. But for us, that it's a, that's at the core of what we do. So we spend a lot of time with our audience, um, having conversations. What do you want to know about? How can we help you? Um, what can we do to support you? And let's all get together um, and make connections and have everyone benefit from each other in the way that Kathleen and I always benefited from each other. Um, so I would say community and cultivating that community and nurturing and getting them together um, is what we spent the most time, money, and energy on in that first year and more or less every year since. I want to follow up on this idea of building community with your podcast. So you had an event not to make money, but to just build community. So you viewed that as a marketing expense or a sunk business cost expense? Exactly. I have always, and that's exactly how I've always said it, I always see our events as marketing expenses. Like we did a good job if we broke even, right? <laughs> um, but I'm not doing them to make money. I'm doing them to nurture and to market. So we've talked now a little bit about where you spent money early on, and I'm I'm really focusing on the early on primarily because most of the people listening to this podcast will be earlier in their experience rather than later. And so I want to ask, continuing on this vein, what would you have spent less on in the first couple of years? Is there anywhere where you might have said, yeah, maybe we should have repurposed that, or maybe I wouldn't have spent quite as much? Is there anything there? One of the things that we did really early on, and I think of it as like, there's not a lot of things that Kathleen and I waste time on. I'll proceed this with that of like, we had been running our own businesses for many years. We've been content creators for many years. We knew more or less where we needed to put our energy or not. So like, I will sort of precede this with that. But whenever I look back on those first couple of years and the thing that I regret, and I don't regret things easily. This is, this is the, those are not words that I throw around. One of the things that I regret is falling down the hole of like, podcast marketing blueprints in terms of buying ad space. So we did some Facebook ad campaigns and those sorts of things because they were working for other people. And you know, here's the blooper, here's how you do it, here's what it looks like, and wasted a crap ton of money and energy and conversations and weighing the pros and cons, and then again, money <laughs> to do <laughs> those things, right, in a way that just didn't didn't really work. So we had tapped into what worked for us. 
we saw it, we felt it, we heard it, but we still were sort of swayed by what worked for other people and what we sort of quote unquote should be doing as podcasters trying to grow our show. And it didn't work for us in all the ways that we knew it wouldn't, but still tried it anyway. And I'm all for testing and changing and, you know, learning, learning through playing and sometimes making mistakes. But that, those were some really expensive mistakes. And looking back on it, Kathleen and I had many sort of postmortem conversations um, about those sorts of things. And every time we were always like, we knew that wasn't going to work. Right. We like we felt hesitant about it anyway. Like, why did we do this thing? So I would say going like falling into some of those traps as sort of new people in a new medium, really sort of doing the thing that looked shiny and pretty to everyone else and it not really working out. So I think if we had just sort of stayed in our lane, really like doubled down on what we knew worked for us, things probably um, or I'd probably have a different answer to this question, <laughs> but so, that's my answer. <laughs> no, I love this answer because I think a lot of people jump straight to ads and ads yeah. is a great way to set money on fire, especially yeah. if you're newer. It, I think they tend to work better for businesses that are more sophisticated, more data-driven and have more resources in general. That's, I mean, there's always exceptions, but I want to recap something so everyone can understand. So the way that you really grew the podcast, a couple things. One, you guys had an existing community. It was a couple thousand people between you and you spend a lot of time talking about the podcast, putting it out there, making people aware because it was awesome. Two, you made sure that your product was great and you spent a lot of time really focused on how can we have the best podcast possible in this space. Three, you got lucky. You started a podcast in a time when podcasting was really taking off and you were special and different in a market that let's be honest is was dominated like by a lot of dudes, probably a lot of white dudes. Yeah. Um, and so you had a really unique voice and you you kind of, you timed it right. So to that third point for coaches who are like, man, it is not 2015 anymore, um, who want to kind of stand out and who, of course, are listening wisely to you about not running Facebook ads right away. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> what would you What would you tell them to do to grow their podcast? I still think it's kind of all of the things, except whereas, you know, in 2015, the thing that made me lucky was that I was a woman in business. I think what makes you lucky now is really pinning down your niche, right? Because that is actually also really what we had done in a time when the niche market was just wide open. Um, but we still, we nailed it. We absolutely nailed our niche. And I think that there are still opportunities to do that. I see breakthrough podcasts on the charts all the time. And I'll tell you, those top charts, it's it will probably surprise you how little you need to do to get on them. Especially, <laughs> um, especially in some of those, like again, sort of more quote unquote niche charts. And I would say too, a lot of our growth came from being on those charts early. Once you can get on them, it just sort of snowballs and sort of keeps you up there and it becomes easier to get like all the things. So I would say that it's still totally possible, to, but it really is nailing that niche and getting in there, talking about the thing to the people who most need to hear what it is that you're going to say. Can I just say amen? Amen. Yes, you can. <laughs> 
sorry to interrupt. I just, I talk about this all the time with coaches because coaches are out there being like, I want to help everyone. Coaching is for yeah. everyone. I'm like, yeah, but that's not a way to stand out. Like, yes, you can help everyone, but you shouldn't, nor do you want to when you really think about it. Like if you think about everyone's problems, there's usually some that we're more attracted to solving than others. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's true. It's very true of marketing as well, really nailing that. So I'm so glad you said that. So what are you doing to grow your podcast today now? And, and we're, you know, we're flashed for seven years later. What's different now? Oh, so many. I mean, the entire industry is different now than it was a couple of years ago. So I, in a lot of ways, a lot of the same things, like we're still using our email list. That is mm -hmm. still a very, like, that will always be, I just like to everyone listening to this ever in the timeline of online business. <laughs> I would imagine that email marketing is going to stay the number one marketing asset for the things that we do. So even if you're starting a podcast, you have a strong Instagram following, all email marketing, right? <laughs> See, I mean, I preach this too. We're like people still open their emails, man. Like 50% of yeah. people are reading their emails first thing in the morning while they're getting ready. Yep. You know, it's just like we still do it. Absolutely. So we're still using email. That is still our number one way. I don't I still don't care too much about social media, right? That's not somewhere where I'm wasting very much of my time and energy. Unfortunately, over the past two years, I have not been able to do events and I've seen the negative effects of that. Like I have seen in the past couple of years really how much those events were beneficial to my marketing. So I look forward mm -hmm. to being able to get back to those for sure. Um, but we are actually running ads. That is something that we are doing and spending money on, but I'm not doing them on social media. <laughs> Interesting. Tell me more yeah. about that. Where are you running ads? Are you running them on other podcasts? No, uh, no, we're not even doing much of that. I'm running platform specific ads or um, just sort of website ads for the podcast. So Google ads. Um, not even Google. So like imagine like the embedded ads on like, you know, Bustle or similar. Like you go to a content-driven website and there are sort of ads sort of in the sidebar in the context of of the article that you're reading. A Being Boss ad will pop or will be there that's uh, featuring one of our latest episodes and people are able to listen to that episode right then and there. So we're doing some of those things. Um, I've been diving into that over the past couple of months and I've had some really good results and retention from those um, sorts of ads. But then also these platform specific ones. So doing banner ads on, um, let's see, like maybe not Player FM. I have done Player FM in the past or Castro or, you know, all these apps that you can get now to listen to podcasts. Back in the day, it was just Apple Podcasts. These days, there's all kinds of them. And just giving Being Ball some exposure in those different kinds of places has really brought us um, a good bit of, of traffic over the past couple of months. And it's been fun to sort of dive into ads in that way, because I feel like, especially in online business these days, the only way to get advertising is to buy a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad, right? That's what we all believe, but it's not. There's a whole internet out there of ad space. <laughs> Facebook has Kaiser Sosaid all of us. And if you don't understand yeah. that reference, it makes me feel old for those listening. <laughs> but yeah, they, they taught us all that the Facebook is the only the only game out there. And that is not yeah. true. I mean, Google ads are out there and Pinterest yep. ads are out there. And as you said, platform-specific ads are out there and contracting with different organizations that just allow you to buy ad space independently for yeah. your niche. Yeah, yeah, that has been really great. We also joined a podcast network. 
in 2021. Um, and we're a part of that network now and at least for the next year and a half or so. And that has been an amazing experience for us. We're still very much so an indie podcast, but we are part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. And that has afforded us some sort of cross podcast promotions um, that has been really beneficial for us as well. So it's, it's you know, it's funny. Um, we have built this brand encouraging our community connect to connect with each other. But I've seen my own growth in the podcast by joining sort of the podcast community, right? Mm -hmm. So like another sort of um, representation of how that core of what we do has even benefited us. So it's been in those sort of, again, relatively, quote unquote, non-traditional, like not the things that you're going to see in a blueprint, right, of like how to grow your podcast. Um, I'm not, you know, getting on big names and then forcing them to share it on Instagram. Like, I don't care. I'm going to have someone on to interview them and not care if they share it on social. That's, that's not how we're growing. Um, it's through knowing people and getting to know people and sharing resources, um, and doing things on the internet outside of Facebook and Instagram <laughs> has been really that. beneficial for us. So, so lots of, we have our fingers in lots of pies, um, because that's, what, what podcasting has grown into, which is really exciting to to be here in this time as well. So in keeping with our game show theme, I want to close out with a fun game. This game, as always, is brought to us by two things, chocolate and awesome. The chocolate today is Nutella, simple, spreadable. You guys put it on everything. Just, I mean, embrace the Nutella-ness of it all. And the awesome is the Coach Pony program, Build a Real Business. So if you need help with your coaching business and you want to learn how to get happy paying clients and you enjoy amazing training, support, and community, come on over to coachpony.com forward slash barb dash invite. That's B-A-R-B dash invite. Today, we're going to play higher or lower. So I'm going to ask a few things about the Being Boss podcast. And though for those listening, please feel free to play along and guess along. I'm going to make wildly erratic guesses. And Emily will tell me if I'm right. So Emily, first question, your first episode of the Being Boss podcast got, I'm going to guess 500 downloads, higher or lower? Maybe lower. Maybe lower. <laughs> Maybe lower. Wait, wait, okay, clarification. The first week or like in all time? Oh, the first week. I would I would say probably lower. Okay. All right. All right. Any idea? Like 100, 200, 300, or it's been so long it doesn't, it's lost to the mists of time? It, probably that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because now people can keep downloading, so we can't track it from that the very beginning. So I know it's hard Indeed. to get those numbers. But I, I would really say probably, the number that's in my head is like 150 to 200. Like it was, it was probably pretty low, but felt like a huge win. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So in your first year of podcasting, your podcast generated, I'm going to guess, just podcast alone, separate from your businesses, $10,000 of income, higher or lower? Higher. Yeah. I, after hearing your story, I have no doubt I'm wildly wrong. Do you, could you mind telling us the ballpark of how much your first year generated? Um, I think about 120 Awesome. Was that mostly yeah. in sponsorships or in the book deal or? Um... It probably was an even cut between um, half sponsorships and half um, sort of vacation. And I think we may have done like we bundled some digital products from our separate businesses to sell as a boss bundle back in the day. Um, so I would say half sponsors and half just like other streams of revenue that we put together along the way. 
And final question, the number of podcasts you've recorded and created since since you launched in 2015, I'm going to say 500. Higher. Higher. <laughs> okay, so much higher, me. I bet. Um, we're going into our, our 300 sort of full-length episodes, but if you include a couple of years of mini-sodes, um, we have, I have a side podcast or not a, a exclusive to the Being Boss Clubhouse podcast called Making a Business. And then if I also include all of my guesting, I'd easily say a thousand or more. Easy. Awesome. Wow. That's a tremendous amount of creation. That's amazing. Thank you so much for letting me play this game with you. And so tell me, um, for anyone who's interested in learning more about you for listening to the Being Boss podcast, by the way, Being Boss on Apple is one way to find it. But tell us, how can people find you? Where should they go? First, that was the best game ever. Thank you. Thank you. I've never got to play a game like that on a podcast. Out of a thousand, <laughs> that is the first game show I've ever played. So thank you. That was fun. Um, so if you want to find Being Boss, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also find us at beingboss.club or on Instagram at beingbossclub. Awesome. All right, everyone, make sure you go and check it out. Sign up for the Being Boss podcast. Go join the club and um, just appreciate all the goodness that you get. And so thank you so much, Emily, for joining us. Um, I so appreciate having you on the podcast today. Chrissy, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. As always, thanks for listening. I appreciate you. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and share it with another coach. And if you need more practical business help, for the love of chocolate, please go to coachpony.com and sign up for our free guide and business training designed to help you get paying clients. We'll see you over at www.coachpony.com.